as we were singing that line, you are the dawn that is breaking within me, I did feel like I saw the light come over the horizon. But I do think the problem sometimes when the light comes over the horizon is that on the one hand, our problem gets a little smaller in the light, but it's still a problem. Um, and we're really seeing it. And so um, if you are looking the problem in the face today, if you're seeing the challenge, if you're seeing the brick wall, the sun will keep rising. I just want to invite you as we sing that line, I will never let you go, to just take a new grip on Jesus today. The Jesus who held us before we held him, take a new grip on him. Jesus, as we turn our hearts and minds towards you, as we look at the wall, as we contend for breakthrough, we pray that you would come so that we could hear you, uh, be moved by you, to be encouraged by you. We pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Go ahead and have a seat. Uh, we, had a, we had a Holy Spirit retreat here this week. Um, so that worship was just like a little bit of uh, like, a, like some leftovers. A little, a little bit of leftovers from what we got to experience together. A fresh wind. And uh, really just had a powerful time uh, together. We had about 50 people here from all over the country. Actually, 50 people from all over the country and two continents. And I feel like what the Lord is doing at Regen is this really interesting thing where he's increasing our influence regionally as it relates to discipleship and mission and the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? I don't know, but we're just going to walk in it, right? Um, and just as a quick note, this, it was a four-day retreat, and our team was just all hands on deck. So I just wanted to say thanks to like Holden and Amanda and Julia and Joey and Elaine and Linda Kissinger, who got us food, which is obviously like the most important job. And um, just, and all of our other people are just here to help clean up. And oh, Bonnie and Andrea helped with kids and Allie helped with kids. I didn't want to start saying the names, she always forget them, but it was just a really cool time. Yeah, so thanks, yeah, that was cool, yeah. Um, yeah, and as Holden said, uh, I, we, sabbatical is next week. Now, some of you are watching online or listening to the podcast later in the week, and you're surprised to still hear my voice. So I see you sneaking out in June because you thought you could just get out of school early. But I, I know who's here and who's not today. So, um, but we're leaving uh, next month, a week from tomorrow, uh, and I will be starting a teaching series next week that other leaders in our church will carry. So we're teaching, we're starting a new series called "Teach Us to Pray." And it's on the Lord's Prayer, and it will go line by line through the Lord's Prayer and kind of lead us into how we pray uh, more deeply. And I'm really excited for you to hear the sermons uh, that our, our family have been working on for this time. So you will be encouraged by it. You will be blessed by it because we're always blessed when we observe someone take a step of faith and take a risk. Um, and that's really cool. So I'm really excited about that. Um, really uh, looking forward to some unstructured quality time with Steph and Jack and um, to just lean in on some areas that I, I'm looking forward to have some conversations with the Lord about some stuff too. So we're going to be in Galatians 6 today. Galatians 6. Um, 
because today we're wrapping up our series on inner healing. This series that we began right after Easter, a series about how we can experience Jesus's joyful presence and power in the midst of our wounds and those places that we feel stuck. And here's the conviction. Jesus is the healer. Jesus is the healer, and he has not only the ability, but also the desire to heal us. Okay? Now, throughout this series, we have seen healing and we have seen breakthrough. We have seen lies cast off. We have seen bondage broken. We have seen relationships restored. We have some of us have encountered Jesus's healing presence in a memory from our past. Others have uh, experienced freedom from uh, really a, what can only be described as a demonic oppression. And that is really exciting, except for the fact that some of us haven't experienced breakthrough. Some of us have stayed roughly where we were when the series started. Others have gone backwards. It's like we've lost territory, not taken it. Some of us have experienced breakthrough in one area, only to discover there's breakthrough needed over here. Like, like Jesus, what are you doing? Are you just moving the goalpost? Right? And the gap between what we have said is true and what is true, that Jesus is the healer, that he is glad to be with us, his desire is to bring his power to bear on our wounds, that the Holy Spirit's power can be released to bring healing and freedom and victory. That's what's true, but the gap between what is true and what we are experiencing, a deeper doubt, a new place of pain and hurt, regression, maybe even jealousy, that some are experiencing breakthrough and others aren't. This gap has actually grown during this time. It's not shrunk. Rant, rant, right? So we see people experiencing breakthrough and we wonder, what about me? What about my spouse? What about my kids? Where is God in the midst of this? What about my pain? Is God really good? What we want to do this morning is I want to echo what Steph taught last week. I want to bring a word of encouragement at the tail end of the series for those of us waiting for breakthrough. Vanessa, could you just close the doors, please? Thank you. <laughs> There's the children's ministry workers are also waiting for breakthrough, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I want to echo what Steph taught last week. I want to offer a word of encouragement to those who are waiting for breakthrough, that the bus hasn't left the station and it's not like, the, it's, not like it's left without you. And we're going to also echo a talk um, that we heard this week at the Holy Spirit retreat. Uh, our friend Anna uh, opened the retreat with a talk that I felt like was really relevant for our whole spiritual family. And so with her permission, um, I'm kind of copying and pasting some of that and then taking a turn of it on my own. But I, I heard it, and as I um, 
was listening to it, I kept listing everybody that I wanted to be in the room while that talk was going on. Um, so I just figured since you would all be here, I would just share it with you. Um, so we're going to be in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9, okay? And I think we've used this recently. I can't tell you when, but we've used this recently. Galatians 6, 7 through 9. It says this. This is the Apostle Paul. Do not be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. Let me just read it again, okay? Don't be misled. Don't, don't be thinking crazy thoughts. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from the sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will, we will, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Paul, in this passage, he's using agrarian language. He's using farming language to speak to seasons of the Christian life. But you don't, you don't have to be a super good farmer to kind of get the idea, right? He says there are seasons of planting and seasons of harvesting what we planted. He says that what we sow, what we plant, is ultimately what we will harvest. And he's saying that there are seasons just like there are in the earthly realm, in the spiritual realm, of planting and sowing and harvesting what was planted. You could kind of picture it um, with this kind of chart, I think. Um, give me the first, yeah. That you sow seed, you plant it in the ground, and then it just kind of sits there for a long time. And you water it, and you water it, and you wait, and you water it, and you wait, and you wait. And then Paul says, at the right time, at the proper time, bang, harvest. There's a breakthrough into harvest, right? Uh, my mentor always talks about a church down in Mahoning County that was an overnight success after 23 years. <laughs> 23 years, breakthrough, harvest. Right? We plant something. There's a season of planting. We water it with faithfulness and patience. We might even fertilize it 
with, forgive me, the crappy things that happen in our lives. And after an unknown amount of time, after an unknowable amount of time, after an unknowable amount of sowing and waiting and watering, there is suddenly breakthrough that Paul says happens at the proper time. Now, some of us, I might say this more than once because I think it's important. Today may be the breakthrough day because the proper time is now. Some of us, the proper time was earlier in the series, the beginning of the series. Some of you, the proper time might be tomorrow or next week or next month. But after the proper amount of time, what does breakthrough look like in our lives? Could be a, a sudden answer to prayer. Could be a restored relationship. It could be a moment of material provision. It could be a promotion at work. It could be physical or emotional healing. But the only way to get to breakthrough is through patience and faithfulness. The quiet watering of patience and faithfulness. Right? This church that blew up after 23 years, how many staff meetings? How many prayer nights? How many sermons that nobody remembers? Right? How many VBSs that came and went? Right? But how this quiet act of faithfulness in the background watered and watered and watered at the proper time breakthrough. Now here's the deal. We all want in on breakthrough. That's where we want in. In fact, that's why some of us join after, come after Jesus anyway. That's what happened in John 6, I think. I've been thinking about this a lot. In John 6, there was this massive miracle breakthrough. Jesus fed 20,000 or more people. Massive breakthrough. And everybody was like, I want that. And he said, well, actually, to follow after me, you've got to go all the way back to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And people were like, no, no, no. I want the breakthrough. I don't want the journey, right? We all want in on breakthrough. We want the answer to prayer. We want in on the blessing. We want in on the harvest. But we don't want the patience of the waiting. We don't want to wait while the seed germinates under the soil we can't, when we can't see it. We, what we tend to do sometimes is want to dig up the seed and check on it. How's it going under there? But this is the dynamic of spiritual breakthrough in your life and mine, in your life and your family and our church, right? What have we said as a church? Everyone in our neighborhoods and networks, multiple opportunities to see, hear, respond to the gospel. What have we said? I said to you, a hundred new believers. Okay, guess where we are? Planting. Right? Here's the dynamic of spiritual breakthrough. Sowing and waiting and waiting and waiting until, in the blink of an eye, it's harvest time. This is parenting, too, by the way, I've learned. No, Jack. No, Jack. No, Jack. Sowing seeds of obedience and order and kindness. I'm sorry if he runs around and bumps into you. We're working on it. Um, <laughs> Sowing and then waiting and waiting and waiting and watering with patience and faithfulness. And then in a blink of an eye, it's harvest time. Now we can see, we can see the dynamics of spiritual breakthrough in two other places.
that I think help us understand. And one is in the stock market. How many of you have ever heard of a thing called Tesla? Okay. In 2010, and this chart doesn't even go back that far, in 2010, if you had bought stock in Tesla, what does it say? The WTF chart of the new year. I don't know what that means. I don't, sorry, I don't know. I just got it off Google Images. Oh, I get it. Oh. Guys, I'm really tired after this week and I put this on my slide first thing. It does, that's it. Okay, well. It does illustrate the point, sorry guys. <laughs> yeah, if you don't know what WTF means, ask my mom. She's right there. <laughs> that's right. She's right there. Just kidding. Yeah, yeah. It's Freakonomics is what this is. Anyway, so listen, listen, stick with me. Come on, hang on. If you had invested in Tesla, somebody's like, we need to get this guy on sabbatical stat. Better get him out of here. Oh man, mm. if you had invested in Tesla, if you had bought a stock of Tesla in 2010, it would have cost less than $5 a share. If you had bought a share on Friday of this week, it would have cost $650, and that's not its all-time high. Its all-time high was over like 1,000, over 1,200. Now here's, all of us want in on Tesla right there in that little bottom scoop, don't we? Right? Because if that's the case, then I'm paying for our parking lot out there. You know what I'm saying? Um, we don't have an interest in being part of Tesla back there. In the time of quiet hiddenness, when the CEO of this company is a crazy person, surf, couch surfing his way through Silicon Valley and tweeting strange things about aliens. Okay, let's move on from the slide so we can all just forget this. Um, just put up there. Yes, thank you, Lord. Okay. Didn't, I just assumed, it, is it funny? I saw it and I thought it was like a financial reference. I didn't even. Somebody say, help him, Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we already have, yeah. <laughs> so here's another, here's another place where we see this phenomenon, by the way, is in pregnancy. This is kind of tender if you've experienced infertility or miscarriage like we have, but, um, and if you haven't heard, Steph and I are pregnant and our baby is due at the end of December. Sundays. And because of our experience of miscarriage and infertility, um, we found, especially even with this pregnancy, there's been a couple of things that have had us holding our breath. In fact, some of the ways that you found out that we were pregnant was something is not okay, would you pray for us, right? And everything is fine at this point. But what I want to do personally, can we just fat, can I go to sleep and wake up at the end of December? Could the Lord please accelerate all space time to like when the moment I'm in the OR holding that baby after the C-section, you know what I mean? I want in, where do I want in? I want in on the breakthrough, right? I have zero desire and very, a lot of exhaustion about the faithfulness and patience it takes to get from now till there, right? We all want in on the breakthrough. And if we're not careful, 
we begin chasing after Jesus or seeking after the power of the Holy Spirit as we've been for the last couple years as a church. If we aren't careful, we're pursuing healing, inner healing, because we want to use it as a means to fast forward to breakthrough. I'll just go get some inner healing prayer and then we'll fast forward to breakthrough and bam. Just going to learn how to give a prophetic word or heal people and then I can fast forward them to breakthrough and bam. I'm going to say yes to this Jesus guy. I think he'll make my life easier. Whew, you are wrong about that. Um, here's why actually we're pursuing inner healing. Here's why actually we're pursuing a culture of natu a naturally supernatural culture, a word and spirit culture. Here's why we chase after Jesus. Here's why we have dependence on the Holy Spirit, because the waiting for the breakthrough is impossibly hard. I need dependence on the Holy Spirit, not to accelerate to December, but to patiently, faithfully wait until December. I need Jesus as a good companion until the breakthrough comes. Jesus actually gives us the Holy Spirit to remind us what is true while the breakthrough is happening, right? Skip, skip, the, skip all the fancy miracles. Jesus said, I'm going to give you somebody and he's going to remind you of all the things I've said because while we are waiting for the breakthrough, go back to the nice chart, the non-cussing chart. While we are waiting for the breakthrough we, and we're pursuing the heart of the Father, we need to be reminded of what is true. So do you know why we pursue inner healing? Could you go back to the original one, Amanda, the first one? You know why we pursue inner healing? Because waiting is hard and inner healing is how we position ourselves for breakthrough. That's what this is about. This is about putting ourselves in the position of breakthrough, just like going to doctor appointment after doctor appointment where I barely breathe the entire time in the waiting room positions us. Positions us. Will a moment of breakthrough come through inner healing, through a counseling appointment, through an inner healing prayer time, through a spiritual direction, through a mentoring conversation, maybe, maybe it will. Or maybe the inner healing, the counseling appointment, the prayer time, it might just push us closer to breakthrough in a painful way, just like the contraction that pushes the baby closer to birth. See what I'm saying? And I think birth is such an important image for spiritual breakthrough because we all don't have the same birthday, right? It's not like, okay, March 15th, every year, all the human species pops one out, <laughs> right? When that, I mean, that could be the way that God made us if he wanted us to, wanted to, that we all just had the same birthday and we all aged up one year. And... But actually what God does is he, he does... The delivery of breakthrough in our lives, just like the delivery of babies. We labored for, with Jack, Steph labored with Jack for 48 hours, and then it finally, like, okay, let's just do a C-section. One of our friends had their fourth, and she said, I, like, sneezed, and he came out. <laughs> right? And so today might be somebody's breakthrough. Today might be somebody's birthday. Your birthday might not be for a month, two months, December 24th. It is God's job to know the timeline. This is our job. You ready for our job? 
let us not grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will, somebody say we will, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Say if we do not give up, if we do not give up. We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. How will we reap a harvest? If we do not give up. Another way to say it might be the only way out is the way through. Right? Now some of us are in a planting season. Okay? We are sowing seeds of faith and hope and healing into our lives. So we're going to counseling, we're being mentored, we're seeking inner healing prayer, we're doing all of those things to sow seeds of healing so that some point down the road, we aren't controlled by anxiety. At some point down the road, we aren't controlled by depression. At some point down the road, we aren't controlled by anger, right? Some of us are sowing. Some of us are in a watering season. And so we are watering those seeds. And we are, the only way to do that is with, is with patience and faithfulness. There is no microwave or air fryer to accelerate us through the Christian life. There's just not. Inner healing, going to counseling, seeking spiritual direction, mentoring, confessing sin. Sometimes that's just watering, 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 watering. Some of us, let's be real, some of us are in a fertilizing season. We started doing some inner healing and things got harder, not easier. How's that? Why? Sometimes inner healing reveals more areas of inner healing that are needed. Sometimes things get harder through the process. The bad things that happen are not wasted. They are the fertilizer that makes the breakthrough come. It makes the breakthrough more abundant. And I said this week, the resistance we're experiencing to breakthrough is the very promise that breakthrough is coming. See what I'm saying? If there's not resistance in your life, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. If there's not resistance in your life, then there is no breakthrough coming. If there is resistance, that is the promise. This is how the enemy overplays his hand. He goes after us, and then we're like, oh, yeah, okay. Now, some of us, some of us are in the harvesting season, and I love that for you. I love it. I love it for you. I thought, I thought, we got pregnant. We're in the harvesting season. Plot twist, we're still planting and watering, right? Some of you have having the breakthrough. Some of you are reaping the harvest. But here's what you know. But here's what Paul says. Wherever we are in that journey, the only way to get to harvest is this. Do not give up. Do not give up. That Paul says, don't give up. What does that imply? It implies that along the way, we're really going to want to give up. <laughs> right? Right? So... Paul says that, so if you feel like you want to give up today, you're in good company, right? Because the scriptures saw that coming and said, let me give you an encouragement. Don't, 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 don't do that, right? Don't walk away, right? Because as a quick word to those of you who are tempted to give up, will walking away from Jesus actually bring the breakthrough? Probably not. To whom else would we go, Lord? You alone have the words of eternal life. So what do we do when we want to give up? Well, Paul begins this passage saying what? Don't be misled. You can't mock the justice of God. He attaches our eyes 
to a character of God. And another way to say it might be that while you are waiting for the harvest, this is the one, Amanda, while you are waiting for the harvest, you can trust your Heavenly Father and pursue his heart while you wait. That's what we've got to do. The only option that we have is to incline our hearts to him. And that's where I want to pay our attention to in the, in the couple minutes we have left. Because while we are waiting for breakthrough, what actually emerges, and, and while we are waiting for breakthrough, while we're walking with God, while we're walking with the Father, through that time of waiting for breakthrough, here's what rises up. All of our father wounds. And now we're on Father's Day. See what I just did there? See, while you are waiting for breakthrough and leaning into the Father... What rises up inside of you, what trips you up, is your father wounds. The wounds that we receive from our earthly fathers, which skew the way we see our heavenly father, that's what trips us up while we wait for the breakthrough. Because if you say had an absent father... Maybe you didn't know your dad at all. Maybe, maybe he died when you were young. Uh, maybe he was physically present but emotionally absent. While you're waiting for the breakthrough, you might feel abandoned by God. If you had an abusive father, you might feel wounded by the trial that you're facing, by the waiting for the breakthrough because you feel like he is, that God is actually harming you instead of leading you to prosperity, right? He says, my plans aren't to harm you, but to prosper you. But if you've had an abusive dad while you're waiting for the breakthrough, it feels like abuse. It can. It can feel harsh. If you had an authoritarian father, it was all about the rules and he was overbearing, you might feel overbeared upon during this time. You might feel spanked. You might feel smushed. If you had a performance-oriented father, you might feel, okay, if I just get everything right, if I behave perfectly, I can accelerate my way to breakthrough, right? If I'm just a good little boy and a good little girl. Now, this one's strange, but if you had a permissive father, if you had a permissive father, it is going to blow your mind that God doesn't just give in the first time you ask him. It's just going to blow your mind. And so you might be stomping your feet and throwing a tantrum because that's what worked with your dad. Right? And just for a minute, let me just remind the dads and the stepdads and the grandpas and the uncles and the brothers and the spiritual dads, the men in the house, that our sacred task in which we often fail, our sacred task in which we often fail is to parent in such a way that is an easy transition from us, from earthly father to heavenly father. It is a sacred task at which we often fail. We want it to be 
I want it to be that it is easier for Jack to love his Heavenly Father because he was loved by me. But I know, and this is my plan, I know that by about the time he's 18 or 20, he's going to identify the ways in which my love was not like the Father's love. Right? And so dads, if you haven't done this already, now might be a good, job, good time to go on a walk with your son and apologize for the ways that you didn't. And can I just offer to you that if you are, a, a, I had a mentor who is a boomer who said this, that it is harder for boomers to apologize than younger people. Because when a boomer apologizes, they're not only apologizing for that one thing, but for every single thing they got wrong along the way. And there's grace for that. There is. Your heavenly father is good. What I want to do this morning is I just want to ask the men to stand, the men in the house to stand. If you are a man of any age, I want you to stand. A man of any age, I'm just going to pray for you today on Father's Day. Is that okay? Um, and if you love the person standing next to you, you could put your hand on the back of them or something like that. But um, I just want to pray, Father, for these men and for myself. Lord, for all of the ways that we... Um, fall short as we parent our kids. Lord, we're so sorry. Whether we're a biological dad or a spiritual dad or just mentoring somebody, Lord, we're, we're just so sorry. And we're so thankful that you are faithful and just to forgive our sin when we confess it and lead us into everlasting life. And Lord, I pray for the men in this room, wherever they are on the journey of parenting, the men in the sound of my voice, wherever they are on the journey of parenting, Lord, I just pray over them a heart of submission to you, a yielded heart, a yielded life that pours itself out in sacrifice for others. And so for all of the ways, Lord, that we hold on to control, where we demand our preferences, where we praise good behavior instead of good character, where the ways that we smush our kids, the ways that we're lazy, Lord, we ask for your forgiveness and ask, Holy Spirit, that you would show us the Father um, and that you would cause the very Spirit of Jesus, who is our everlasting Father, to rise up in us in a fresh way so that we could parent in any season more effectively. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if those are the lies, what is the truth? And this is where we'll end. If these are the lies, what is the truth? I want to think about two ways to approach your Heavenly Father while you're waiting for breakthrough. Okay? And the first one is in Matthew 7, verses 9 through 11. Matthew 7, verses 9 through 11. It's a increasingly important passage, I think, in the story that we're writing together as a spiritual family. Matthew 7, verses 9 through 11, it says this. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened. For everyone who seeks, who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, 
Do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Jesus says the heart of our Father is to give good gifts to his children. Now some of you are waiting for the breakthrough and saying, not a lot of good gifts. What if, while we're waiting for the breakthrough, there's not good gifts? What if the good gift that we're looking after isn't here? Well, then it sounds like you're in a season of watering and planting. And so what do we do in a season of watering and planting? Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Right? Keep on watering, keep on being faithful, keep on being patient. And I would offer to you today, by the way, that this is a corporate exercise. Okay? Um, Anna made the comment that when a harvest comes, or uh, generally they, the volume of people involved increases, right? Because it's a lot of work, right? Especially before the advent of like modern technology, it was kind of a community project to go harvest. Um, and sometimes we have noticed, even in the journey of the last few months with this pregnancy, a resistance in us to ask people to pray with us. That comes from one of two places, either pride or unworthiness. Either I'm too proud to ask for help, or I don't feel worthy of having other people help me. So to all my brothers and sisters in the room that are going through a hard thing and you're telling one person at a time or only two people know, I wonder if, I'm just wondering if, the pace at which we move toward breakthrough isn't relative to the number of people making that journey with us. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. In the absence of a good gift, we persevere in prayer. Here's the other thing that Jesus says, uh, or another thing about our Father. This is from Mark 1.11. This is Jesus' kind of introduction to the whole world. Jesus goes to get baptized, comes out of the water, And there's a voice from heaven that says, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. The father speaks over his son, Jesus. You are my beloved son. You bring me great joy. Through, through gospel, through belief in Jesus, as we follow after him, what the father says over Jesus is what's true of us. You are his beloved son. You are his beloved daughter. You bring him great joy. What does joy mean? means that somebody is glad to be with you right and let me tell you while you are waiting for breakthrough it is the joy of the lord that is your strength that's what nehemiah 8 says now if you think about that like the happiness of the lord this emotion that the lord is having from heaven is my strength that doesn't really work that well but if it's the lord's gladness to be with me while i wait for a breakthrough If it is nearness, if it is his nearness to me, that changes the whole thing. That changes the name of the game. I want to encourage you that while you wait for breakthrough, hear this word from me as the man who is honored to be the, one of the spiritual dads in our community. Hear this word from me as I'm about to take six weeks 
of withdrawal from you. Not because I don't love you, not because I don't care for you, but to do what Jesus does, abide and bear fruit, abide, bear fruit, withdraw and lean in. Pursue intimacy with the Father while you wait for your breakthrough. Hear this from me. Pursue intimacy with the Father while you wait for the breakthrough. How do we pursue intimacy with the Father? Through scripture, through hearing scripture, through reading it, through memorizing it, through praying it. Listen to other sermons from people that aren't quite as good as, but will do. <laughs> On podcasts, I mean. The people in this room that will preach to you, as good. As good. I speak it in faith. Um, through scripture, through prayer, going on walks, getting into nature, talking to your people, worship. And remember that when how you normally connect with the Father stops working, it's a sign of growth. Jack has stopped eating um, out of little, he doesn't, he doesn't eat out of little jars of baby food anymore, you know what I'm saying? Pursue intimacy with the Father. Do not give up. Do not give up. This week I started uh, with Jack doing some swim lessons. And he is working really hard and he is trying. It's just not going that well for him. It's a lot. Um, surprise, surprise, we're not a very physically active family. So about 20 minutes into the 40 minute lesson, he's kind of just done. He doesn't like water in his face or on his head, which you may remember is a problem while you're swimming. Um, poor guy. And, um, and uh, actually, my mom has taken him some of his lessons this week, and she said to him, okay, Jack, we're going to, because he asked about halfway, can we just be done? I want to get out. And she said, okay, Jack, we are strong. We are brave. We are determined. We are going to finish the lesson. And she, he said, I'm not determined. <laughs> I have to give him, our friend Paul gives his kids a dollar every time he uses them in a sermon illustration. So every time you're laughing, I'm like a dollar, a dollar. <laughs> there is a breakthrough coming for Jack with swimming. Thank you, Mom. Yeah, there's a breakthrough coming for swimming. <laughs> there's a breakthrough coming for swimming for Jack. And I see that. He doesn't, he can't. And so here's what I've, I decided in my heart that I was going to offer him while we're doing swim lessons. I'm just going to be glad to be with him. See what I'm saying? I'm going to be glad to be with him. I'm going to find the things he likes to do and we're going to do them. And if that's spending 20 minutes putting the ball under the water so it splashes out and we're not really swimming, we're going to be glad to be together. And I'm going to push him. And we're going to nudge him. I'm going to make him uncomfortable. It's not that hard, but I'm going to make him uncomfortable. But the thing I can give him is I can be glad to be with him so that on the other end, he and I are closer. You see what I'm saying? Your breakthrough is coming for you. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. I'm going to invite Jenna to come lead response time.